Welcome to Find Laws, Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Tenney, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Can I just say, I am so glad that the search party was successful and you're back <laughs> safely with us, Laura. Yes, my, my spelunking adventure, right? Yeah. Elon Musk didn't have to build a little submarine or whatever to, <laughs> to rescue me. <laughs> You know, I hate to shatter the illusion, but I actually I was not I was not on a spelunking expedition. I know you all might find that hard to believe. <laughs> Although I do love a good cave, it must be said. I'm very passionate about bats. Anyway, I could talk for a long time about <laughs> <laughs> caves and other such creepy things, but I have to introduce our other co-host Andy Leonetti. Hello. I watched uh, spe- speaking of bats, Hi. I watched uh, Batman Forever this morning on the plane. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I should note that Andy is a greater man than I and is recording on his vacation, which I did not do. <laughs> uh, Batman Forever partially holds up. <laughs> I, I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. I will put in a, a break so that the audience can applaud Andy for his uh, For my bravery. And- <laughs> yeah, exa- yes. Yeah, we have to have we have to have a moment of uh, not a moment of silence. You're not dead. No <laughs> boy. Uh, whew, this is going well. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> so we yeah we have we have a really interesting topic to cover today. It's um, I I don't think we've ever really talked about anything like this before. You've probably seen in the news reports of the train derailment that occurred in East Palestine, Ohio. That was on February third, and a Norfolk Southern freight train. That was about 150 cars that derailed near this small town. 11 of those cars were carrying hazardous chemicals that local authorities feared would cause a catastrophic explosion. So the area was evacuated. The chemicals were drained into a trough, essentially, and ignited in a controlled explosion. It didn't look very controlled. No, it was this huge cloud of black smoke. Like, if you've seen the photos, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild to see. And... So everyone was evacuated, and I think just five days later, residents were told it was safe to come back. But since then, residents have been complaining of headaches and nausea. There's been reports of animals getting sick and Thousands dying. Thousands of dead fish. Yeah, lots of dead fish. And I guess, I mean, this would be a good time to note that, speaking for myself, I am not an air quality expert or a chemist. I'm a lawyer by training and a writer by trade. So it doesn't really make sense for us to speculate about what the public health and environmental aspects of this specific incident are going to be, but we did want to talk about what kind of recourse communities and individuals have when something like this happens, because as crazy as it sounds, accidents like this happen a lot more than you think. Well, we don't want to speculate. Uh, There was a good video going around just yesterday of the governor of Ohio very clearly faking drinking water from someone's Oh, the water from bottle someone's thing. Tap that they like. They're like, here, drink the water. Yeah. And he like very clearly did not drink it. So that uh, I hate to be too conspiracy minded, but uh... yes, I did see. I did see a, a photo where someone pointed out. It, it felt a little bit like a more serious version of the um, the Game of Thrones Starbucks cup thing, where people were officials were toasting with glasses of water that they said were from the tap, but someone noticed that there was a bottle of water like just at the edge of the camera frame. I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything, but yikes, probably should have moved that. <laughs> well, I know I would be drinking bottled water if I lived in East Palestine. Well, and I'm pretty sure that's what they have advised people to do, even though the things have technically been cleared. Um, but yeah, this situation is by no means resolved yet. So Yeah, and that was really just the tip of the disaster iceberg. 
just in in February alone, it seems to have uh, it set off mm-hmm. a kind of uh, train reaction uh, in Tucson, Arizona. Just just a couple of days after the train disaster in East Pal, is it Palestine? You guys have both said I've Palestine, heard Palestine, not Palestine. Okay, I've heard it both ways, but I've heard it more often Palestine. Okay. I, I don't know. Um, a tractor trailer overturned, which caused a spill of nitric acid and which then turned into nitric oxide um, when it caught on when it caught on fire. Uh, it was a pretty horrifying orange cloud, and I mean orange. Um, it was this cloud mm-hmm. spilling out into the air. People people had to shelter in place within a three mile radius. Those within a half a mile were evacuated for a day. Um, people in that range or even beyond even beyond that range because we're in Tucson right now I am I mean not we not the three of us just me um, <laughs> and um, the house I'm staying at the uh, my mother-in-law didn't didn't run the heat or the air conditioning that day because it pulls in air from outside because it pulls in oh, air from sure. outside and so far there's been I've seen very little follow-up in terms of any ongoing concerns, um, but it sure looked bad at the time. Around the same time, in the Houston area, a tractor, trailer, and freight train collided, causing another derailment. Uh, there, there were hazmat teams on site, but apparently none of the hazardous material cars on the train derailed and union but union pacific was doing air was on site doing air quality monitoring then on february 16th a train derailed about 30 miles west of downtown detroit um about 30 30 cars derailed uh, again no spill but one of the cars did contain hazardous materials um and then on february 19th Another train derailed in Delphos, Ohio, pretty much directly across the state from East Palestine on the western border of, of Ohio. Mm-hmm. I would hope that Pete Buttigieg is not sleeping very well right now. Well, I'm not sure <laughs> I'm going to sleep very well after listening to that. Well, and it's it's interesting because, you, you know, you start to hear about how often these things happen. It's like, well, why... Why are trains derailing all the time? And and we could, I'm, you know, it's not, this show's probably not the right place to talk about it, but we could probably talk for a while about how apparently I learned this week that train brakes have essentially not changed since the Civil War. Um, these train cars stop one at a time, and there have been efforts to change over to electronic brakes, but politically it has been a bit of a quagmire. That does seem to be a, a big part of what is going on with a lot of these trains. We're talking about train regulations and brakes, and obviously we don't want to get too far into the weeds on transportation regulations because that would help us get to sleep after having, <laughs> giving us nightmares. But in this case, just to quickly kind of run down how the government approaches stuff like this. So the National mm-hmm. Transportation Safety Board does the investigation. These things usually take a long time, so don't expect official results for like a year at least Mm -hmm. 
And then after that, the cleanup is part of the EPA. So the EPA takes over to do the environmental cleanup and the testing. Mm -hmm. So if residents are worried about like well water in their homes, if they're not connected to the city system and they drink out of private wells, Mm -hmm. you would get officials from the EPA to come out to test the water to make sure it's safe. Uh, So that's kind of how it basically goes after the accident. But like you said, Laura, we're not we're not experts on accident investigations, right? <laughs> and I don't think we need to worry too much about what regulation did or did not do anything. But mm-hmm. what we do know a little bit about are toxic torts. Yeah, let's talk about torts. And I, I mean, I hope I'm not the only person who got confused by this. When I started law school, I and I saw the word torts for the first time, I was very confused because I thought a tort was only a dessert. It's a delicious treat. It's a delicious treat, but it's also a legal claim. Um, so I did want to quickly go over what what a tort is. So this is a civil legal claim. It's not. This isn't criminal court or anything like that. And it's generally cases where someone's been injured, either physically, financially, in some cases emotionally, psychologically, by another person or company's negligence. Negligence is the thing that you're gonna hear in like all of these cases, where essentially, like in this case. The people that have filed lawsuits, there's some class action lawsuits against Norfolk Southern saying, okay, you guys had a duty to act a certain way. You failed to uphold that duty and someone has been harmed as a result. And then toxic torts just adds in that element of hazardous substances. Yeah. And there's a couple of things that you have to prove in order to meet the elements of a toxic tort. And this kind of separates it a little bit from just a regular claim. You can sue anybody who injures you for being negligent. That's mm-hmm. what car accident lawsuits are all about, after all. But in order to prove a toxic tort claim, you have to show that the substance itself was dangerous. Here, you would have to show that the train was actually carrying a dangerous substance. In this case, I think it's vinyl chloride. And then you have to show that you were exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, they've been going around... Uh, the accident site and testing the air and the water. And so there would have to be maybe higher levels in the air or the water than you would normally find. And you have to show that the substance caused you harm and that it was the substance that caused you harm and and not primarily something else. Well, and toxic torts can be kind of challenging because a lot of times the effects won't show up for many years. Like you'll see these cases with lead paint and asbestos and pesticides and like people often don't have the really serious health effects until many years later or after 9-11. Yeah, the commercials we're seeing now for the Camp Lejeune water. Mm -hmm. And everybody has probably seen those mesothelioma Mm -hmm. television ads at some point. You know, those were, there's not as many anymore, but um, Mm -hmm. for a while there, you you couldn't watch daytime television without scene five. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so I was a little bit surprised to see uh, a class action lawsuit go up just a couple days after the after the accident. But that one was kind of interesting because what they are claiming is, or they're basing the, those claims less on the toxic tort aspect and more on people being being evacuated. So their their suit is alleging that the that the company had this duty to exercise reasonable care when it comes to maintaining and inspecting the rail cars and because, and as a result of not doing that, that people were like deprived of the use of their homes and businesses because they had to evacuate and things like that. 
Yeah, and you can imagine the damages coming from that if you own mm-hmm. your own business or if I'm sure property values are plummeting there. So yeah. there's a really good case that people can make that they've been injured already just from having to evacuate and leave their homes because of this. So yeah, there's a couple different areas of toxic torts, right? We have already talked about asbestos. You know, these are the lead paint Mm-hmm. pesticides sometimes come to toxic torts. So it's actually a pretty big field. It's not just accidents, train accidents or chemical spills. Oil spills fall into the category of toxic torts. Mm-hmm. So they're actually pretty routine, unfortunately, just with the way that things are manufactured all around the country and how reliant we are on transportation. So these sorts of accidents happen quite a bit. And the benefit to joining a class action like this is that on your own, it's kind of hard to prove enough damages to justify a lawsuit. So mm-hmm. let's say you you own a home in East Palestine and you know it's worth $200,000. Now it's worth 150 or 100,000. That might not justify a lawsuit. But if you gather together and you have some property damage and maybe you're already showing physical symptoms like some people claim that they are. Uh, You know, some people have claimed that they're having a raspy breathing and a Mm -hmm. a cough and that they're feeling sick already. Yeah. Well, there have been, I think people have reported getting rashes and stuff too. Yeah. So that's something that they're definitely going to have to prove. It's those last two elements. That's usually where this litigation lives is the last two elements that they were exposed to the substance like in a damaging way and that it caused them harm. And so that's why you're seeing all of these claims like kind of describing their their physical symptoms. They're saying they've already been injured. Mm-hmm. And they're also saying that they're damaged because now they're living in fear that they're going to get cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't quote where I read this, but I think it was NBC News quoted a guy as saying, one way or another, all of us are going to be out of here in five years because either mm-hmm. everyone is going to get cancer or they're going to just bail and yeah. you know take what losses that they can, which is a pretty powerful statement to make, mm-hmm. I think. It's not always that immediately apparent. Yeah. Like with asbestos, no, nothing is built with asbestos anymore, of course, mm-hmm. but you know, 50 years later, you can get symptoms from it. So this could, this could go on for a while. Yeah, I think there's going to be, this is definitely not going to be the, the the last lawsuit filed um, because of this accident. And on top of it, we've got the different actions by the EPA too. So you've, so you've got individuals coming together for a class action lawsuit, plus you have actions that the EPA is taking. And something that i found kind of interesting, partially because I didn't know it existed, was this letter of a general notice of liability from the EPA that they sent to Norfolk Southern, where they basically say, okay, this thing happened. We've documented that there's potentially harmful chemicals and we're going to clean it up. But since it's likely your fault, we're going to need you to pay us back. And that has been sent to Norfolk Southern. Norfolk Southern responded saying, yep, we will, we will do what you're asking us to do, or we will finance whenever it needs to happen. And then on top of that, just, I think that one, that letter went out on the 10th and then like 10 days later, the EPA comes back again and they ordered Norfolk Southern to pay all the cleanup costs and follow these certain steps that the EPA lays out. And if they don't, they're going to send Norfolk Southern a bill for triple the costs. So it's not, not a good, uh, not a good time for them. I don't think. 
I have limited sympathy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, given yeah. given the billions of dollars in profits that they've had in recent years. And they skipped <laughs> one of those um, early uh, town meetings. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, some Ohio and local and local government people were there and stuff, like, the Norfolk Southern people didn't show up because yeah. basically they didn't want to get yelled at. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a great look. <laughs> Officially, they said that they were worried about the safety of their employees. Yeah, that's what they all say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and then, I mean, I guess we'll see where this goes, but we, I did also hear about state officials in Pennsylvania who have made a criminal referral against them, which really just means that the state attorney general is going to conduct an investigation. It doesn't mean that there's criminal charges or anything like mm-hmm. that, but they are they are looking into it to see if there is any criminal liability there. Yeah, and the Ohio the Ohio River covers a whole lot of ground and it does it, yeah. um, affects people who uh, drink water from it. Yeah, in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, Illinois, uh, <laughs> Indiana. Yeah, the right. So the yeah the consequences of this are not going to be limited just to East Palestine. Mm-hmm. And here's a, another fun, a fun fact, except maybe not a fun fact. Is anything about yeah, this Yeah, I was going to say, is it really fun? <laughs> like, yeah. I know we yuck it up a lot around here. This is a very serious <laughs> so, episode, but it, it felt important to talk about it. So the, the, if anyone's ever read the novel uh, White Noise by Dom DeLillo, it was written in the 80s. It's kind of like set in this like bucolic college town. Uh, the main character is a like a professor who's... Life is kind of devoid of meaning, for lack of a better. <laughs> from from okay. what I remember of reading it, like twenty years ago, he was not a very nice yeah. guy. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the 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 book comes to a screeching halt in the second third, when a uh, what's what's called a toxic airborne event occurs from a like a train derailment and some sort of like mystery chemical is going up into the sky and the, the federal government, the army and federal government is there and black helicopters are flying around. People are being forced to evacuate and the evacuation is really treacherous and yada, yada, yada. Well, Netflix just turned this into a movie a couple of months ago. It just came out. Oh, it came I out, didn't know that. Came out, it's on Netflix. came out a couple months ago and it was mostly filmed in Northeast Ohio. Oh, wow. And, oh. and, a few residents of East Palestine were extras in the airborne toxic event evacuation scenes. Oh my God. Ain't that something? That is the weirdest thing I've heard in a while. <laughs> so note to self, don't don't appear as an extra. <laughs> next in a disaster movie. Yeah. Don't volunteer yeah. for anything ever. Any, any, <laughs> I've been trying to get it be an extra on Game of Thrones, and but now a dragon will attack me yeah. if I right, do. Right, right. Any any Gerard Butler disaster movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Of course it's Gerard Butler. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. 